Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And what a fun, not stressful romp this movie. Oops, it's the 80s now. We're looking at Boogie Nights. <laughs> for better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Uh, you know, chilly, chilly but well. How are you? I am good. Uh, today's episode is a listener request from Evan. So thank you, Evan, for writing in to request Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. And if you want to request a film, you can email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com or drop us a message on our Instagram at andalmoststarring and let us know. And as always, listener, don't forget to like, subscribe, post about us if you're enjoying the show, and be sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash andalmoststarring, where for $3 a month, you're getting all of our episodes in advance, and $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every month, including this month's full-length Patreon exclusive commentary on Muppet Christmas Carol. Tis the season to be jolly and joyous, fa-la-la, sounds like Jeff. And after a movie like Boogie Nights, you probably need a Muppet Christmas Carol. I definitely, I need that today, probably. <laughs> I had to take a solid break a mm -hmm. couple of times, and I was like, Okay, that's, and my anxiety is tapping out now. We watched this separately, uh, listener. So I, I had to mention Amy Jo was texting me that I just have to remind myself that craft services is just out of frame. <laughs> so true. That really has been for years the thing that will root me <laughs> off. Like, craft services, craft services, craft services. There is a best boy shoveling pretzels into his mouth right uh, off camera. I kept being like, Don Cheadle is fine. Don Cheadle is still out there making movies <laughs> and TV shows. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in this next scene, but Don Cheadle, right. the person, is fine. Don't know what's going to happen to Buck Swope, but Don Cheadle is a-okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, along with Muppet Christmas Carol, right now, if you check out our Patreon, you have episodes on Adam's Family Values, Thor Ragnarok, The Office, and commentaries on Jaws, David Cronenberg's The Fly, and Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of Fellowship the Ring. Of the so Ring. I'm, I'm already forgetting that's how much bonus content yeah, we have. Yeah, you had to do the thing where you're like looking up into your memory bank of your mind. Like, huh. I, I was fully in my Sherlock Mind Palace trying to remember all this ding-dang <laughs> content that we got. all of our episodes. <laughs> uh, so, as for our film today, Boogie Nights came out on October 31st, 1997. Ooh. Ooh, what a spooky Halloween film this is. I mean, in some ways, it is. <laughs> Uh, was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, of course. Amy Jo, what's your experience with that? them Boogie Nights? Had you seen it before? Okay, now here's the deal. I had, but I saw it when I was like 17 at theater camp. Not officially. In someone's like dorm room, we watched it. So This wasn't, government, this wasn't a camp sanctioned? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Although, you know, the, the people supervising us are basically college students, I think. So who knows? Maybe they were like, dude, you got to check out Boogie Nights, my <laughs> teens. Granted, that was many years ago now. But also, I think at the time, I probably was like, oh, my, and 
blocked a fair amount of it out. So like there were moments I had flashes of like, oh, I remember this visual. But on the whole, I just remembered like the way the back half of the film made me feel, which is I think why I'd never rewatched it. And then when I was watching it, I was like, wait, this movie is hilarious and beautiful and there's a lot of great stuff in it. And then we hit, yeah, about like 1980. And I was like, oh, now I remember the sinking dread that permeates the back half of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's so well divided, like with that New Year's. Eve scene with uh with William H. Macy and then gunshot and now 80s and from there on it's downhill for our team of players and I had seen this once or twice when I was younger probably around like high school college times uh and then hadn't seen it since but just happened to rewatch it uh last year and really was kind of blown away because because I used to love Punch Drunk Love so much. Um, so that's the one that I rewatch a lot. And There Will Be Blood I'd seen more often as far as Paul Thomas Anderson's movies go. But I'd never gone back and rewatched Magnolia. And I never rewatched this. So it's like seeing this again last year and then again for this. Like this movie is so good. This might be my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson. It's so, the tracking shots are amazing. The whole ensemble, it's like. It's really this, only ugh. heavy hitters. Like yeah. cast perfectly um yeah spoilers ahead for our casting segment i found it very difficult <laughs> because this was so it's well hard, cast. yeah yeah it's so 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 well cast um so spoilers ahead if you haven't seen boogie nights you haven't seen it in a while here's a brief ish synopsis and since this is such an ensemble driven sprawling film i'm not going like in real deep detail. start to finish order just kind of the broad strokes just to give you the idea we're in the late 70s i mean our main our lead is high school dropout eddie adams old mark Wahlberg, living with his father an emotionally abusive mother in torrance joanna California. gleason hello joanna broadway's joanna gleason Tony oh, so good. Uh, he works at a nightclub owned by uh, louise guzman where he meets porn filmmaker jack corner but reynolds of course and uh, gets a job in porn because he has a He is gifted with a giant penis, and he's also a 1997 Mark Wahlberg. He's also a good-looking guy. So he, uh, we meet all this, like, cast of characters in, like, Jack's films, including Amber Waves, Julianne Moore. Uh, We just, I I just want to call them by their actor names. I mean, we've got Philip Seymour Hoffman, John C., Riley, Don Cheadle, like, so many great actors in this film. Uh, Eddie winds up moving in with them at Jack's San Fernando Valley home. We get this great pool party oh. scene where we're really getting to know John C. I mean, Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman. What a gift. This entire sequence of getting of, of the two buddies getting to know one another of John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg, like starting with the the margaritas, like how much do you squat convo and ending with the two of them in the little hot tub together at the end of the night like Ugh. with John C. Ray reciting this horrible poem the doesn't mean did you write that man <laughs> yeah yes and Mark Wahlberg he's just so earnest and so like that's great man oh that's sick bro and John C. Riley's like hey you know that movie Star Wars people tell me I look like that Han Solo guy really, really? they do oh okay <laughs> they're just so John C. Riley's lines could have been like you should do like uh, did John C. Riley say this in Boogie Nights or in Step Truly. Brothers? Because this is like the same level of idiot man child, and it is he hilarious. Is so, I mean, every shot of John C. Riley, he wastes no frames. 
every line reading is perfect. He's so funny. I mean, everyone is very funny, but he's doing a lot of the comedic heavy lifting um, through as the primary note of his character throughout. Yeah, I got to read because it was it was until seeing this that I was like, you know what? John C. Riley actually could have been Michael Scott in the office. Oh, um, but it's him. The fake documentary that like oh, that yeah. Julianne Moore is making for Mark Wahlberg, his lines, because clearly it's reactioning. It's a reaction to people saying there's like viol- like so much violence in your movies because then they like Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley, they pitch this like action film for jack to make where it's like they'll be like kind of like a suave james bond type and you see it's the cheapest dumbest thing um but so he's in this movie he's saying uh i don't like violence any more than you do violence is a bad thing but when you see violence in films it's you know if movies films caused violence we'd be able to wipe out violence tomorrow boom no more films that's fine with me i'll find something else to do you know i got other interests i'm a magician uh like it's so michael scott and it oh man hit john c Riley just cracking me up from not necessarily from t to b but he because he's he's also but but he is like always someone even when things start going uh down the toilet in the back half he's still he's still holding up the lighter he's still end holding it up yeah, yeah of the of the tone i mean i could talk about this film forever so instead i'll probably talk about it a lot less than most films because there's just so much like, it's very dense it's two and a half hours yeah but like the scene in the pool party where it's like um the phone rings and Louise Guzman answers. And it's like this, this little boy looking for his mom. And I forget the name, but it's like Maggie, right. Which is clearly, it's so good the way that they do it, but it's clearly Julianne Moore's character. And I'm like, guy, it's probably someone who lives here, you know, but he's, he's just calling for Maggie. Maggie's like, no, there's no Maggie here. Sorry. Some little boy looking for his mom. And they cut to Julianne Moore, like doing cocaine and just like gazing longingly at Mark Wahlberg out at the pool of like how she's just like, I've just created new kids. Like these will be my yeah. children who I'll raise. Um, that's like one of the first lines they use to describe her is like, uh, what is it? That she's I think like Bert the Reynolds mother says. hen she's, for everybody here in our little something like no, that. No, not, but not, but not even like that, that the language used is what is it? Mother to all who needs love. Oh. Like, it's not like she's the, oh, she's kind of like the, you know, the queen of the rooster. No, it's just mother who to all who needs love. Like it's so, open heart which is like you need for this film set like in the pornography business and you see all these people that don't have anywhere else to go uh we also get this is where we (laughs) this introduction to philip seymour hoffman where he's he's coming as like this girl has od'd and is being dragged out and he's like is she okay and he just gets told to shut up and it's like that is our introduction to philip seymour hoffman scotty (laughs) jay not to be confused with ricky jay who is also no. in this movie. Also in this movie. And William H. Macy. And just like Thomas Jane. Like so Okay, Alfred I would like Molina. to say I apparently will never in my life be able to recognize Thomas Jane in a movie because it wasn't <laughs> until later when I was like going through and looking at movies, I was like, Thomas Jane was in this movie. I was like, Thomas Jane, that was Todd. This is a very different look. I wouldn't recognize Thomas I've Jane if I didn't know never, it was Thomas Jane. Never have I ever watched a film and gone, oh, Thomas Jane is in this. I have looked at the cast list and gone, ah, oh, Thomas Jane <laughs> is in this. I know because I see the letters that spell those words. <laughs> so that uh, was a fun surprise for me <laughs> right his entrance is also incredible because they timed his entrance it's at the new year's party where he like explodes through this gated fence like he just kind of kicks it open and as he like appears on screen you hear a car 
like skidding to a halt somewhere else but it's as if he himself has made that sound or as if he is driven so fast that as the car is still skidding he's been like exploded out through the car and into the film like it's such a like out of a canon like boom here's this character now which honestly like you is so smart because it's like we've met so many characters and we're not going to see tom jane again for like another 40 minutes but then he's going to be in a very crucial scene yeah so So. you want to make it feel like oh this whoever this guy is he is bringing something important to the film right now um also the name the it's the for mark Wahlberg these these action porn films that brock landers angels live in my town just so good all of the dialogue within the porn scenes oh it's so funny when they're pitching the james bond thing the james bond like spy films they're like yeah yeah we we're thinking uh, uh what what names you're thinking of he's like okay we're thinking brock landers and was it chess rockwell chess rockwell and and <laughs> And, and go, oh, those are great names. <laughs> Just yeah, starts yes, laughing. He's so, like, so delighted. <laughs> I mean, they oh, are. Man. Honestly, I was watching. It's like crying, laughing, watching the scene of like just the two of them like running around with like hair and guns, you know, and Ugh. their outfits, this sort of like blue, not quite camo denim print thing that they have Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley in this red vest and pants. I was like, this is a Halloween duo costume. Yes. Niche, but perfect. And then they cut to Burt Reynolds and Ricky Jay, like guys, because Ricky Jay's editing it. And it's looked so bad. And Burt Reynolds is like, this is the best thing I've ever made. This is the film Just, that well, they'll remember they me by. What they do so well is there's all these times where there'll be shots of Burt Reynolds's face. And you, he'll be a little inscrutable. Like yeah. You're like, what's he thinking? Did that go well or not? And then this is the best work we've ever done. <laughs> it's just not what you expect him to say. Or yeah, not what no, I true. expected him to say. You know, there's, there's like right after the first movie um, the first time we see like that Mark Wahlberg's on set and like the whole like sex scene with Julianne Moore and everything. And then, you know, they, they have to like cut and go, but you know, and then it's the end they've, they've climaxed and then it cuts to, to Burt Reynolds. And I'm like, what is he thinking? How did that go? You know? And it's just yeah. clear that it went very, very well. But like, I just, I don't know. I think it's really smart the way that it gives us time to wonder before we have the punchline of like, oh no, this is, this is, we're going to make a zillion, you right. know? That whole scene is so good. The first time that Mark oh, Wahlberg sings. God. I mean, there's so, the movie's so good at like take, just showing, just taking all the air and the mystery out of anything and just like mm-hmm. making it seem so blase. It's like, okay, you're going to come through this door. You know, your lines, if you forget a line, don't, don't stop. Just keep, just keep going. And we'll like, we can make another angle. It's just like making it like, this is like the least erotic movie about sex yeah um very smartly so but like seeing (laughs) as because the movie waits until the very end for us to see what eddie slash as you know guy goes by now dirk diggler what he's packing but seeing everyone else seeing john c Riley and uh, uh what's her name the actress who plays becky of them like they're tilting their heads to the side to see you see ricky j like yeah like look away from the camera like hmm and then tilt the camera lower, like just so funny. Philip Seymour Hoffman is just like, oh, uh, like holding the boom mic because yep. he's so oh, obsessed with his, Mark Wahlberg from the beginning. His the pen work when he yes, oh his the pen. pen, I was obsessed. Like chewing thing, 
It's the pen is still attached to the clipboard and it's he's like stuck he's in chew- the top of the he's clipboard. He's chewing on the pen while holding the clipboard up to his face. And it's so good. But you can, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson loved it because you the audio of it has to be Foley. The audio of him chewing on the pen is so much louder than it would normally be in the oh, moment. I have to imagine that so PTA good. was like, oh, that's good. And he clearly also just knows how to like utilize the people that he's hired in a way that they, it, you can tell that these are actors having a good time and getting to be creative, you know, like. Yeah. Well, Burt Reynolds didn't have the best time, but we'll get well, to that. Well, Burt Reynolds also isn't doing like pen chewing acting, you know, like Phil Hoffman, you know, but yeah. man, his, his hair acting, that wig is phenomenal. That wig, all the hair is great. Well, oh, and, yeah. or greatly terrible. Like William H. Macy's hair is incredibly bad. Oh yeah. But I think supposed to be. he's little bill he is little bill um and so that's about where we are in the film is this new year's eve party so little bill is uh what is he one of the producers or i don't know on the films um but he works on probably the sounds like who is clearly he's married one of the porn stars one of the porn actors and like every time we see her she is having sex with a different guy and is like bill go away you're embarrassing me like just go sleep on the couch like just go away she as she's like having sex like on on the, the driveway while with everyone a is gathered bunch of around guys watching. standing right over watching. And you have like Ricky Jay is like trying to talk to him about like the shots for the film. And he's like, do you mind? I'm kind of distracted. And this was like, apparently they did a few takes. It's a long scene of them yeah. talking. And twice William H. Macy accidentally blew the line. Instead of saying, do you mind? Like my wife's got a cock in her ass. He said, my wife's got an ass in her cock. Yeah. And Paul Thomas Anderson's like, do you realize you said that? And he's like, oh, no, okay, sorry, let me let me do it again. And he apparently said the same thing. And then they did it like another take or two and he got it right. But PTA used the take where he's yeah. fumbling the words because it feels like such a It weird, felt so correct. Yeah. Like not malapropism, but it's like, yeah, that's there a is guy a word who for that is, where you swap the words. I forget. But yeah, but it works so well in the film. And, and it's like, that's a good director. It's like you use those mistakes because those are like happy accidents because that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, what's less hilarious is then William H. Macy at this New Year's Eve party has finally had enough. And it's like he is a long take of he goes out to his car. He gets a gun. He comes back. You don't see this, thankfully. They shot this where you see this, but it was deemed like so violent. Of yeah, him shooting his wife and lover. No, because it's so much more striking like this. You, he shoots them off screen, comes back up, and puts the gun in his head, pulls the trigger, boom, 1980s. Yeah, I mean, and this is in the middle of, like, this tracking shot has followed him from when he entered the party. He gets a glass of champagne from Buck. He goes looking for his wife. Caesar opens the door. We, we don't even, at that point also, we don't need to see what she's doing in there. We We've know. seen it. We know. Uh, but we're in the 80s now, but Dirk and Reed, John C. Riley's character, are using cocaine on a much more regular basis. Okay, let me let me also say about this. I've never done coke in my life, but whilst watching this movie, I was like, did I just snort three days worth of cocaine? Because it <laughs> may like the these scenes where they're all so sweaty and he's like has that whole like psyching himself up in the mirror. I was like, oh my did I accidentally? like do a bunch of coke i feel insane right now <laughs> just the way like you start to match the breath pattern of the person on screen it's very uh you, uh effective and yeah. uncomfortable oh yeah uh yeah he starts he's getting these violent mood swings um and he's irritated that burt reynolds has johnny doe this new the new kid on the street that's like clearly this is the new you mark Wahlberg. um and dirk and jack like wind up 
yeah, they have this huge blowout and Mark Wahlberg storms off. Uh, cause he's like, I'm ready to shoot. I'm ready to shoot. Uh, and he keeps getting told like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. So now Dirk is like, he doesn't need this. He could have a hit music career. He's, mm-hmm. uh, him and Reed, they're, they're, they're playing their song. It's, and you know what? I'll give Mark Wahlberg this. He does not care. He has no vanity in this because he looks like an absolute fool so yes. much of the time. Oh yeah. Uh, to great effect. I like, effect. you've got the love. He's so, him it's and. so funny. The shot, the shot where it's John C. Riley's like, just kind of like, they're just jamming, like just trying to like, they're just improvising. It feels like John C. Riley's just plucking out some notes on a guitar and Mark Wahlberg singing terribly. And they're just like trying to find it. And then they look and they're like, Hey, were we rolling on that rehearsal? And they're just, they're still in the recording room. It's like, how much time have you spent here? I really felt I was, I was on team Nick, the engineer for sure. I thought this actor, I was like, yeah, yeah, this poor, this poor guy. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't mention Heather Graham as roller girl, uh, who like dropped out of high school and is one of the the actors in the films. Who's also like lives there at the house yeah. uh so in our downfall we see that like jack now has to like porn is being moved to videotape it's now cheaper it's less well and also his lead producer is like convicted yes, of his... child pornography so he has to then make the leap to videotape because he doesn't have the money for the film anymore right 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 so they're doing this like they're driving around in this car trying to find guys to have sex with roller girl like in the back of the van like this, this is just like just it's all bad mark Wahlberg is back to trying to be like uh, at the beginning of the film where he's like you know it's ten dollars to it's this much money if you just want to see my penis and this much money if you want to watch me jerk off um but he winds up getting beaten up by these guys it's when don Cheadle makes out pretty well pretty traumatic I know. Well, experience so i just watched the scene where there's these dual assaults and i was like Oh, and then Don Cheadle's like, I'm going to go get some donuts. So I was like, don't get donuts. Don't go get donuts. <laughs> don't get donuts Nothing's done. going over anybody. So I had to pause it there. And then I was like, oh, OK, this is horrifying. But all things considered. Yeah. An attempted robbery where everyone winds up dead except Don Cheadle. And he's just sees this blood stained bag of cash. And it's like, I'm just going to take it. And at that point, like his he's gotten together with this other other girl who's now pregnant like everything's looking up for buck swope he's doing yeah. just fine and you know what buck was buck to me is like the nicest character in this whole thing so i was like yeah. i like i i like things working out well for buck swope that sounds good to me i agree i mean his biggest crime is loving country music and i you know it's not a, it's not legally a crime yet, so you are allowed to still like your country music, but uh, things are not looking as good for Dirk and Reed. They uh, can't no. get their tapes. I mean, this whole this is also it feels right out of Step Brothers of them like, no, how could we pay you? We need to take the recordings and send, yeah, and give isn't them to that the Robert record. Downey Senior who's playing yes, the record? It, is. Sec? it sure so is. Funny. He's gonna, which is um, RDJ is doing this documentary about his dad. That's like oh. supposed to come out. It might have, I forget when it comes out because we're recording this in advance. So it, it might be out by the time you're listening to this. Um, po- I think possibly on Netflix. I think just called Senior. Uh, but yeah, they was like, we can't, we need to send, we need to get the money from the record company by giving them these tapes and then we could pay you. Like, how does it make sense? Any we other way? We got a record deal guaranteed. Oh. The magic, the soul on those tapes. The, like, right, right. Oh. Yeah, you own the actual like tapes, but like the soul, like the, the magic, the magic on those tapes. That's us. We own that. 
So they they go with uh, Tom Jane to like try to sell baking soda to yeah. this drug dealer, Alfred Molina. As Coke. Ooh, as though in, it's Coke. Yeah, as a, though it's Coke. And Tom Jane is just, it's like, what a scene. It's like, the whole thing is like nine minutes because I I'd counted because I was curious because Alfred Molina comes in to your movie like two hours and nine minutes in and has nine minutes of screen time. And it's an iconic scene. Oh, yeah. This one, this guy throwing firecrackers left and right, which was PTA told him to just throw firecrackers whenever he wanted. So Alfred so. Molina has these like earplugs in so he can hear the cooked up to the sound so he can hear the mics and pta so he can hear the other actors but it definitely it like helps dampen the sound so he's not hearing the firecrackers anywhere near as loud as all the other actors so he's not like as jumpy about it right that's why he's able to just be like carrying on as is and they're all like yeah ah and it's so it's like nerve shredding tension and they're that that comparing that to like uh just talking about like back to our episode on the shining where it's like cooper was basically like torturing Shelley Duvall that's an example of like all the actors know what is happening it's like these firecrackers are going to be going off but like we as humans have involuntary responses to them it's going to be unpleasant but it's like they're they're fully aware of like what the scene is and what is happening and Alfred Molina putting those things in because like this character needs to be doing that 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 to me is an example of like how to use just a natural human response in a way that is not like abusive Although it may have been a very, very unpleasant few days on set. True. Um, but yeah, Todd, Tom Jane gets killed. They, they they all, Tom Jane and the bodyguard get killed. The John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg get away with Alfred Molina just like running around in this robe and his Come little on, speedo with a shotgun. Come on, puppies. Um, but they they get away and Mark Wahlberg goes back to Burt Reynolds. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I need some help. And we didn't really talk. Julianne Moore is like a whole there's just so many characters there's so many like yeah. of these storylines but her with like trying to do this this custody bat bad custody battle to get her son back and it's just because like oh you work in pornography you work with like your you have many drug arrests drug arrests right they say like and just like just the question of like when was the last time you were arrested and what was it for and they cut to julianne more like sobbing outside um which of like i you can in my mind it's like it was something like four months ago for drug possession or something yeah, that yeah. it's like you you she's you, like no i don't do that anymore i don't yeah. do that anymore it's like oh you do babe yeah because that's how we end we end with some of our you know don Cheadle opens his own um like stereo store things are looking up for him with you know julianne moore shot the ad uh but at the end it's like julianne moore is like clearly doing heroin now and Mark Wahlberg is, um, he's a big, big star. He's a big, big shining star. We do a little, um, ending of Raging Bull with him psyching himself up in the mirror. And we finally get to see this ridiculous, uh, fake penis Phallus. that they, that this, yes. yeah, they built to, to, uh, fit over Mark Wahlberg. And that's the end of our film and smash to the credits and, ooh, damn. Well, we skipped the fact that John C. Riley is now a magician. He is one of the magician. most ridiculous oh i love Shots. it i made me so happy pulling the swords out of that little thing and now up comes this woman but she's topless and he's like what what's that naughty naughty just as like a it's a sexy magic show and i'm like yeah uh, you know what that probably he's probably doing okay that's a good fit for that guy if he can keep the drugs in check he's doing a-okay yeah yeah. So the casting director of Boogie Nights was Christine Sheeks. Sheeks also cast Anderson's first film, Hard Eight, which he'd made right before this. 
and we're going to cast Halloween H2O and speaking of Tom Jane, Deep Blue Sea. hey So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned, some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Ooh. So let's kick it off with Eddie Adams slash Dirk Diggler. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Mark Wahlberg and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? This is an excellent use of Mark Wahlberg. Um, Possibly the best use of Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. Just like, also like his, you know, and I don't know the man. And I have not spent any time really watching any interviews or anything with him. But like, I do think it takes a certain amount of, a fair amount of like skill and and lack of ego to be willing to play kind of like sweet and dumb you know, and I think he does that so well. I mean, the lines are also hysterical, just like the whole thing where he's like, you know, like when Napoleon, what was it? I I wrote it down somewhere. Um, it's, it's like Napoleon when he was the king, you know, in the Roman Empire. It's just history repeating itself. <laughs> just like a lot of lines like that. Oh, oh, the one about like, oh, are those shoes um, lizard? No, they're Italian. Like just oh. the lines are so good. Yeah, but just the imported Italian nylon. Oh, yeah. It's like some imported Italian nylon. <laughs> But the earnestness with which he plays that and like, do I look cool doing it? You know, that like someone who is like in my perception of him kind of like, hey, I am a cool dude. And it's important to me that you think that for him to be willing to play someone who is like so transparent about his need to be seen that way feels like that. Yeah, that's not something I would have thought I'd be getting from him. But he does it beautifully throughout this film. My main criticism is that this this person is only from California by way of a lobster boat, you know? When he says, like, an idea of movement, I was like, no native Californian is using an intrusive R, my guy. Just the, like, East Coastiness of the X. I was like, all right, it's fine. You, Whatever. Hey, look, you can take the mass hole out of Massachusetts. He's he's not just from Massachusetts. He's from Dorchester. That that yeah. is like Southie. <laughs> like I I went to some diner in Dorchester where they had like the coffee, like spe- like they they had it all like spelled phonetically because it's like that's just like that's our thing. As far as other thoughts, I okay. As I said earlier, I struggled a lot with most of the casting for this. Yeah. Also, because this isn't a movie I've like really thought about, and it is so dense ensemble wise so i'm, I'm kind of like i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure so I'm, i don't feel great about like any of these this is a, i can't believe i'm about to utter this name and i don't i it, i it's not mark Wahlberg is much better but i could see a 1997 vin diesel before he went full i do wonder if like someone who was doing like but is it Saving Private Ryan that he's in? Yeah. Like if someone who's doing that kind of movie goes in this direction rather than a a Fast and the Furious mumble mouth direction. Yeah, you know, if he's being developed, that's what, like why if you were to be like, what's Mark Wahlberg's best performances? Probably you'd say this and The Departed. Yeah. And those were directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and Martin Scorsese, yeah. you know? And there's a lot of actors who in some cases are only, well, that's the thing. With film, so much of the performance is dictated by the director because it is yeah, so sure. much of it is like yeah what's on the cutting room floor and what's what's left in there you know like there's that great shot in that whole big scene with Alfred Molina where Alfred Molina is playing Jesse's girl and the camera's on Mark Wahlberg and his face goes through like yeah. so many different emotions and 
like I've seen this dissected where people say like, you know, it could be it's him like just to really hear these two like Motorin and then Jesse's girl to hear Jesse's girl and be like, this is a real song. This is a real artist. Like what I'm trying to do, I'm, I'm here to get the money to get my tapes of my singing and to know that like I can't I'm not actually an artist. I can't create this. And, and like people, what people are reading into that. Oh, wow. That did not occur to me in one moment at all. Well, well even just to be like that the dream is really over. That it's very, uh, to yeah. me, I'm the most similar one-to-one is that shot at near the end of Cuckoo's Nest at the end of the party where Jack just kind of, mm-hmm. he's smiling, everything's great. And then his face just like goes dead. And Mark Wahlberg's face goes dead. His face at one point looks like he's a serial killer because he's yeah. just like dead in the eyes. And it's because they're filming for so long. That it's just like keeping the camera like, okay, we're just getting that at one point he's just like starting to check out or, and maybe he's, maybe that's not just checked out, checked out. He's doing whatever, what have you, but a good director and editor is using that as for storytelling. And it looks like this actor is really creating something really unique I remember thinking like, wait, what is he looking at? I kept thinking it was going to cut to something that he was looking at and then realize like, oh, that's not, we're having an inner life moment type thing, but. Right. To me, I bought it as just being like, I might die here. Yes. Well, that was how I then interpreted that it. That it was the like, not, I'm, I've gone beyond the fear of like, we got to get out of here to just be like, this is it. This is how I'm going to die because yeah. of all the choices that I've made and because I've allowed, the, you know, as if to be like, because Jack. I blew up at, at Burt Reynolds and that I left and that I've, I've, I've yeah. made my own bed here. That this is what I've done yeah. and now I'm going to die because of it. But yeah, he's so good. So, okay. I, you know, I'm Vin Diesel, particularly why saying why not? 97 feels like, again, like a, a potential turning point for Vin Diesel to go in that. You know what I mean? I do. This next actor, like, again, I don't love it, but I, I'm using it more based on what we know <laughs> of the human now and not what we thought of this person in the 90s. Um, but like a young David Duchovny perhaps um again not what he was Um, selling in 1997 but thinking about like californication and everything that i've heard about david duchovny made today david duchovny is jack corner yes to me he he, the problem with this casting choice is he reads a bit more like slick and knowing than i want from uh dirk but um yeah i don't i have some others on here and i you know what yeah i I don't like them they're staying on the page and not Making it to the pod. I get it. I mean, like, I could see, like, maybe a young Sam Rockwell. I could see but here. But I, ha- I have, that's, I was thinking him, but I have the same problem with him that I have with, like, Duchovny, where it's like, that's, he's kind of like a wise guy, which is Well, I've not... seen Sam Rockwell do not wise guy. I think Sam Rockwell has enough range as an actor that he can that's also true. come across as very different types. Um, I do hear you. I'm like, I'd like, the only other person that I could really see would be Bobby Cannavale. I did think of him and wonder quite exactly like to me for my brain, he kind of fell in between a couple of the roles, but sure. Yeah. I could yeah. see him doing a few different things, but like I, I Mark Wahlberg is really so perfect for this. Yeah. It really is a perfect combination of actor and character. But like if I had to same like John Bernthal wasn't hadn't, wasn't really acting the way that he didn't had him blown up in the way that he has today now. Um, but like a young John Bernthal and of like temperamentally, if this was made later, that's the thing. It's for whatever reason, maybe it's because it's Wahlberg. I'm just thinking of guys that are kind of a uh, D bag. So I'm like, I could see the version of this made a decade later or even five years later with James Franco. Mm-hmm. I could see a version made more recently with Miles Teller. Oh, yeah. 
I could really get. I think that he's got a lot of the the qualities that he is very good at bringing to on screen. I think that would have been good here. Yeah. Um, and like yeah, that it's but it's hard. It's a hard role. Uh, Wahlberg originally didn't want to do the film because this is right after the high profile failure of Showgirls. So a film oh, yeah. just about the porn industry, there's you have assumptions. You're like, oh, this is meant to titillate. This is meant to be kind of like sure. a sexy movie, and it is so not that. Um, which he changed his mind after reading the script, but he only read the first 30 pages before he met with PTA because he t- and PTA was like, who's this asshole not reading my whole script? And he said, look, I loved the first 30 pages. I know I'm going to love the rest of the script, but I want to know that you want me as an actor and not because I'm the guy in his underwear. Because he was very concerned with all the Calvin right. Klein ads that that's what he was known for. And PTA was like, I don't know what that is. I want you because you were in the basketball diaries because that was like one of his as far as his film stuff he's in the basketball diaries with leo i think fear is with reese witherspoon in 96 but like that's it like this is like the big like he's known but like that's the real this is the thing that was like oh this guy can act put him in much more but speaking of basketball diaries this is how mark Wahlberg got this role is because leonardo dicaprio was supposed to do it leo did occur to me as as a possible but a 1997 Leo feels insane to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, like more like 2005 Leo feels more like where we're, where it wants to live. Yeah. Catch Me If You Can is 2002. Like that Leo feels like the youngest Leo that I could Possible. buy. Yes. Right. 97. Because this is, he wound up turning it down because he had already signed on to do Titanic. Yeah. No, Jack <laughs> Dawson. Is not giving Dirk Diggler. No, he's not. But DiCaprio suggested his Basketball Diaries co-star Mark Wahlberg for the role, which Mm. helped him get it. And ultimately, for the best. But that was not the only actor that was up for Dirk Diggler. Jason Lee turned it down. Now, funny, because Jason Lee is on on another page here, because I was like, oh, we're not looking at John C. Riley, but that's who I would put down if I had to put someone down. How funny. Huh. Yeah. I could see yeah. that. Uh, he, was, he was doing uh, the Kevin Smith movie Chasing Amy instead in 1997. He was in Chasing Amy? Oh, wow. yeah. He's the best friend. It's like. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I did watch it. It was like on rotation with like my group of high school friends. Well, uh, as was his Chasing Amy co-star, Ben Affleck was Well, considered. of course, you're thinking any Boston boy. We're you set know. in California, so we got to comb Well, we got to get Matt Damon in here. Right. We got to get Ben Affleck. Well, Matt Damon was also considered. Yeah, um, so. I mean, like, they were all on my list, but I was like, are they on my list because they would be appropriate for it or because they are all these Boston boys? So I left them all off. Right. You know, you know what? Thinking of all them, because um, one, one, one of the films that had, like, so many of these guys in it was School Ties, I could see a young Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. Oh. Brendan Fraser. Not that Brendan Gleeson. Sense. I was like, Brendan Gleeson. I was like, wait a minute. Do you mean Donald Gleeson? I was like, and wait, no. he was in. Wow, I had a lot of reactions of all going like, I'm trying to make this work in my brain. <laughs> yes, Brendan Fraser. Oh, that's right. That's me. Brendan, that's me. Brendan Gleeson, 45 year old Brendan Gleeson as 17 year old reading for Eddie Adams. <laughs> no, banshees of inassurance. Brendan Gleeson is not who I meant. I meant uh. Brendan Fraser. But Ben Affleck and Matt Damon instead had Goodwill Hunting this year. You know, this is. And I think that worked out the best uh, for yeah, them. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix was offered the role, but turned it down due to concerns about playing a porn star. Interesting. Now that you say that and thinking of him in uh, uh, to, to, to Die For. Thank you. I was like, to have and have not is not what I mean. <laughs> to die <laughs> To for. die or die not. To die or die not. Um, just the kind of like 
yeah, a bit like simpler kind of character um, that he he plays there. Just like easily manipulated. Feels like uh, could lend itself well to this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and he would, of course, later collaborate with PTA on The Master and Inherent Vice. So he would work with him later. Uh, Christian Bale was considered. I Now, I thought of him a lot because weirdly, there are a lot of shots where Wahlberg looks kind of like him and so the thing when his hair is like slicked back and stuff Wahlberg is funny yes you know and thinking of like he's funny in the departed he's very funny in the other guys with Will Ferrell like he has good comic timing and Christian Bale is not someone I I do like comedy is a very important part of the DNA of this movie that you do need to be able to well, sell the lightheartedness of the first like hour and a half and there's a particular i don't know that it also feels like such a hollywood film such an american movie that like i i had i, I agree. was looking at some people who were like brits and i was like i don't know like so and so i've never heard them do a good american accent we know at least bale can but well yeah a, the, again there's just something about like even though he's from dorchester like <laughs> the guy is still like very american right. that that particular yeah. sensibility and the way in which he's funny does work for this tone i don't know yeah. yeah and we'll talk about him soon but i feel the same way about jack corner about like the idea of oh, like yeah. there are certain like brits that i could see in the role even doing an american accent but to have a, an american yeah. to have like an american hollywood star yes you're bringing something with you already sure. to the film for sure yeah uh, and finally, Ethan Hawke was considered for Dirk. Okay, he's the top of my list that I didn't say. The top of your list that you didn't say. Well, when I say top of my list, I don't mean ranked number one. I mean the first person I thought of and wrote down. Gotcha, but I gotcha. was just like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But now maybe I don't think it's such a bad choice. I stand by you, previous uh, self. Yeah, he was doing Gattaca instead in 1997, which I think worked out best for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Jack Horner, let's move on to... Burt Reynolds. Thoughts on Burt and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Again, this is a genius casting move. Like, it trades on everything we kind of think of Burt Reynolds as like this chest and mustache, you know, just like, and, and the way that like, I really strongly associate Burt Reynolds with like the 70s yeah. and the 80s. It's like, yeah, give me that guy. Also, it was really wild to be watching this and be like, wait, this came out in 97 and it starts in 77. This is like us going to see a movie that took place in 2002. Shut up. I was like, quiet you. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> also, 2002, I can't think of the aesthetic there as strongly as I can for 1977. Uh, anyway. no, no. Yeah, so, so good. So great. I really love his performance all throughout. I think it's wonderfully cast and and wonderfully performed my first thought and this is just because i always think of him and burt reynolds in kind of the same uh breath is tom Selleck, who is you know more the tv version Mm -hmm. if you will but i was like oh i could absolutely see like that he's giving me a lot of the same references and you know kind of you know Hey, how many years did he wear hot pants on, not hot pants, but tiny, tiny shorts on television, you know, and be like, show us the gams. Um, Come on, Tom. Magnum. Come on, Magnum. Then for a more contemporary one, I, I was like, I could see this at some point being like John Slattery. Oh, um, Just yeah. someone who's going to give me the kind of like elegance with 
the seediness, like someone who is elegant in a seedy environment. Yeah. Um, you you keep the giant mustache that he had for the once like later season of Mad Men. That's what uh-huh. I want. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other my other thoughts were Brits, so I was like, I don't love love this, but like I was like I I'm into the idea of a Timothy Dalton. Ooh. Yeah. If you want to bring, if you want good hollywood baggage to bring with you i think robert redford would have been amazing as jack yeah i mean well that's a very different kind of baggage you're getting with redford than with well sure yes but if you want like someone an old a hollywood yeah for sure legend from the 70s i could see the pacino version of this because i think if it's pacino mm. you're assuming a certain thing and same with burt reynolds that you kind of like burt reynolds is like a tough guy and then but he's really like so like he's a gentle gentle with figure. yeah exactly yeah. and i feel like that pacino you see him and he's the one that's like i got a feeling that beneath those jeans something's wonderful is waiting to pop out and you're like getting like oh it's pacino as you know you know another version of the devil like making a deal with the devil but then you mm-hmm. see like oh he's just like this sad old guy that is just trying to make something yeah yeah just trying to build a legacy and build a family with the people that he's got uh i'd be interested in like a morgan freeman version of this oh yeah i mean because then you're also getting you're bringing this like hollywood legacy and someone who you at least a lot of people of our generation like map affection onto, you know, like you're getting that father figure for free. Right. But thinking of like his first Oscar nomination was for street smart with Christopher Reeve is like, I'm a reporter trying to do a story. And Morgan Freeman is this like kind of vicious pimp who winds Mm -hmm. up like, yeah, you'll do this story on me, but now I'm kind of implicating you in some crimes. And it's like, oh yeah, Morgan Freeman can make a real fun villain. Not that Jack is a villain, but that. No, but you do need to buy the person who then like beats the tar out of this guy that, that he's like brought into the limo, you know? Yeah. Once the guy says your movies suck nowadays and like, that's what does it. And like made a little more recently, I think. Kind of similar to like Pacino's, like like Willem Dafoe. I think someone where you're like, oh, this this guy is like the mm. head of this point, and you're like, oh no, you actually are a sweetheart. That you are like yeah. a, a nice guy. You do care, yeah. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne, Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. Brian Cranston, I think, is giving me a very similar performance yeah, today yeah. that Burt Reynolds gave then, um, and or maybe the same age. If you were to make this today, same age now as Burt Reynolds was then, give me George Clooney. Oh. All right, that is doing a very, yeah, very similar kind of of thing with regards to like, you know, younger heartthrob kind of kind of guy. Yeah. Fascinating. So this was one of our three Oscar nominations for the film. Oh, it was right. nominated for Best Screenplay, of course, uh, and then Best Supporting Actor for Burt Reynolds and Supporting Actress for Julianne Moore. So here's who the other nominees were that year, just to give you a feel for like, because yeah. Burt Reynolds, I mean, the Globes are, of course, as always, Trash. meaningless. But he won the Golden Globe. So for the Oscars, it was Greg Kinnear for As Good As It Gets, Robert Forster for Jackie Brown, Anthony Hopkins for Amistad, and then the winner, Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, wow. I forgot that Greg Kinnear has an Oscar nomination. I mean, people, that as good as it gets, that it was like, people went nuts. I never saw it. It's fun. I'm, I'd be curious to rewatch it. I've, I like remembered it like last year because I saw it once so young and I remember nothing. And I was like, what's the deal with this movie? I couldn't even what remember like, what it was about. What's the deal with as good what's as it gets? What's the deal with as good as it gets? Is it really as good as it gets? Um, so <laughs> I was just like watching like clips online of like of Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson because also 
Larry Moss, the great acting coach, talks about the film a lot in his book because he helped Helen Hunt. He helped coach Helen Hunt for the role. Uh, and I was like, I kind of want to see a little bit of Larry's work on the screen. Uh, and I mean, it's just real good. It's just a classic James L. Brooks dramedy of it's kind of too long. There's kind of too many characters. But damn, is there some beautiful human emotion mm. and humor and love and life. Um, so it's good. It's a good film for what I remember. Mm. But yeah, kind of surprising that Greg Neer. Greg Neer has an Oscar nomination. Good for you, Greg. Good for you, Greg. So Burt Reynolds, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson was in his late 20s when he directed this. I can't, I, 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 it, mm. So there's a lot of, and in some cases, I'm sure rightfully so, Burt Reynolds just being like, you're not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. Like there are a lot of times that Paul Thomas Anderson would be like, look, like, you believe this shot, like this thing. And Burt Reynolds is like, I can name five movies that did this exact yeah, shot. I've kid. been in Hollywood since like the fifties. And that's the thing. I mean, Scorsese does that. Scorsese, if you, if you go look at like, you know, a look Fellini at- films and you're like, yeah, Scorsese ripped off that shot, but it's yes. like, is it ripping off? It's like, we all, all great artists. We all build upon the work that has come before. Like, and yeah. they're beautiful shots, but yeah, it's like a, a tracking shot is not a new thing. Right. But so Burt Reynolds, you know, he, he did not have a good time. He regretted making the film after seeing a rough cut and fired his agent that had recommended <gasps> the role for him because he he didn't participate in promotional interviews because he just thought it was going to be But then he got terrible. an Oscar nomination. Did he apologize well, I, mean, I don't know. That, that, I mean, it was a rough cut that he saw. And a rough cut could be really rough. I, I saw a, a rough cut of my brother's movie earlier this summer and there was like no like sound correction on it yet. You know, it's like you're you're just seeing all sorts of things where it's like oh well we haven't gotten to this but like so how do you how do you know Bert well I'm also going to assume that there's a lot more in the script than what made it up on Mm. the screen this does strike me as the kind of film that does have a three-hour cut somewhere and then gets whittled down so you I could also see the version where you watch and you're like this doesn't work i could see the version where it's like aside from these oneers where there's no cutting in between that you could have like if some scenes are just too saggy or too long mm-hmm. or just don't go anywhere you know like i get it you can make a you can make a bad movie out of a good movie yeah but you can't always make a good movie out of a bad movie Nor. um you know what maybe this is what i was thinking of when i said brendan gleason because Burt reynolds apparently did the first day's shooting as jack using an irish accent <laughs> and then the next day he went back to just sounding like Burt. <laughs> He's like, oh, I thought I'd be like Sean Connery. They're like, you mean Scottish? (laughs) Oh, that's what I was thinking of. (laughs) Scottish. Let me try that again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Warren Beatty turned it down. Oh, that's very interesting. I also see what they would be going for with with that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably for the best they didn't that like a late 20s director didn't go for also like a major hollywood director actor person just that's true that's a good point uh, pta said that warren Beatty read it and called him saying i think i want to be in this they talked for a couple weeks and then ultimately pta was like he started to figure out like warren didn't want to play jack warren wanted to play dirk diggler and he said you don't really want to play jack corner you want to be the kid in this movie and he said yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Cindy pollock attended the film's premiere and expressed regret for turning the role down. That's really fun. Like, I think it's also a lot of people were just, you know, you hear it's, it's just the subject yeah, matter yeah, alone. Yeah. I get it. can be a turnoff for actors. But Sidney Pollack is like, once again, you're, you're, you're courting great directors to play a director. Yeah. Which is kind of beautiful. It's kind of beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah. And also he's just like, like he has such a, 
light and lively presence on screen. Yeah. That I feel like that would be very interesting in this kind of role. Maybe it's also just my impressions of Sidney Pollack versus Warren Beatty as how they might, how uh, much they might or might not want to interfere um, on set. You know, Warren Beatty as Jack, I'm like, okay, so this guy started as a porn actor. Whereas Sidney Pollack, I'm like, you've always been a director. Yeah, you've, yeah, oh, yeah. But this is, you've just found like, you've never been able to get an in in Hollywood. So this is your way in is with porn. And that's why you like, mm-hmm. I want to make a great film. I think there's something really actually interesting about getting a director to play For Jack. Sure. Someone primarily yeah. known as a director first and foremost and an actor second. Uh, Harvey Keitel was offered it and did not understand why, according to him. Well, I understand why. That's true. But, but I think I think Burt Reynolds ends up being a better choice for it. Um, yeah. But Harvey Keitel's a wonderful actor. He would have been great. Yeah. Robert De Niro was in talks. This was 1997, so he had Jackie Brown, Wag the Dog, and Copland. So he had a g- solid year for old Bobby. But I get it. I get the, I get the Bobby De Niro I, There's something about the... Burt Reynolds has always just been, like, the, the kind of more hunky attractiveness of burt reynolds like the in in this that like i think works so well just like his polish and pulled togetherness that you don't quite get with de niro particularly like late 90s de niro yeah and i wonder how much of it is that i'm just not as familiar with burt reynolds films like i've never seen Mm. you know whatever so i never saw Smokey and the bandit or the longest yard there's a lot of the classic burt reynolds films i've never seen i saw deliverance Mm -hmm. but there's a lot that i've not seen compared to some of these people de niro's yeah yeah oh yeah and that burt reynolds you know this got him his one oscar nomination this movie that he's not coming to it from a pedigree like i wonder as an ensemble film if it unbalances it too much if you have two because burt reynolds is the biggest name in your movie but it still doesn't feel like when he's not on screen i'm like where's jack he just feels like part of the ensemble to me that's interesting yeah the way that jack nicholson was also considered is like it feels to me then like Jack Nicholson is taking up a lot more of the movie's real estate. Because with something like The Departed, which I would say is also an ensemble film, it's all focused on that character. Yeah. It's all so even when he's not on camera, they're talking about him, they're trying to figure out yeah. where everything is in relation to him, as opposed to with Jack, where he's just, you know, more the the patriarch and the orchestrator of this. Right, right. You know, world. But I love, I mean, I love the idea of Jack Nicholson as Jack. I think that actually it's is wild. pretty great. Uh, but he, of course, was doing as good as it gets and winning that third Oscar. So, Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. But that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Jack and one was not. And Amy chose to guess which is which. Your options are James Caan, Albert Brooks. And Bill Murray. Wow. 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 What an eclectic group of curly haired gentlemen. <laughs> um, wow. You've really gone and stunned me. Look at you. Just making the oh, little old me face. James Caan, Albert Brooks, Bill Murray. I'm going to say Albert Brooks. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Bill Murray? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. But James Conn makes sense, Jeff. Doesn't he just? I think that'd be a pretty good choice <laughs> if I say so myself. So Albert Brooks and Bill Murray were both considered. Uh, Albert Brooks had this film instead in 1997 called Critical Care. I never heard of this movie. It's a Sydney, Sydney Lumet hospital dramedy with, listen to this cast, James Spader, Helen Mirren, 
Anne Bancroft, Jeffrey Wright, Margot Martindale, and Albert Brooks for some reason done up in makeup and hair to look almost exactly like Mark Twain. I have no idea why. Huh. And Bill Murray couldn't do it because he was doing Jeff's favorite movie as a kid, 1997's The Man Who Knew Too Little. Oh, a, a family favorite around the Jackson household. My, my father also loves that movie. Yeah. Also an Alfred Molina situation. <gasps> You're right. Another great Alfred Molina performance in, in from true. 1997. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't see Bill Murray. I just can't. No. I, Albert Brooks. Albert I'm Brooks, I, I can in. actually see uh, a bit. A lot more than Bill yeah. Murray, where I'm like, I I understand him being on a list somewhere, but I don't, I, I don't. Lost I don't see in it translation in was the good way to subvert his comic person, his persona. Exactly. Not like and it this. worked out great. Not like, Not this. like this. Um, how about Roller Girl? Amy Jo, your thoughts on Heather Graham as Roller Girl, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Here's the thing. When Heather Graham is good, she's excellent. She's funny. She's just got like such a a sunny presence. And I think that she's fantastic in this movie. You know, I think there are a few things she's really good in and then a few things where it's like, oof, you know. Um, but this, I think, is a really great, like with all of these actors, a really great utilization of what she specifically brings to the table and like what she does for free, you know. Like yeah. her lining... <laughs> <laughs> so after she's like been sent by Jack to go and like seduce Mark Wahlberg and like go down on him in a closet or whatever. And then they're in the car later and she shouts out the window. Hey, do you remember me from a couple of hours ago? I laughed so hard. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> you remember me from a couple of hours ago? It's just very funny. So I really like her in this. I like her a lot. The logical like. The logical one to one is Alicia Silverstone. Oh wow! For me, I she's did not maybe think a little that, but... a little young because she's a little younger, I think, than um than yeah. Heather Graham was. But yeah, Heather Graham was twenty six at the time. Oh, and and I think yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how old Alicia Silverstone was. I mean, she it's the year. It's two years after Clueless, so like she's of age. She's of age. Yeah. Great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, she seems to me like that's the, the most logical, like, you can't get Heather Graham put in Alicia Silverstone. Um, similarly, Christine Taylor um, is giving oh. me, like, yeah. kind of comedic 90s hot blonde uh, kind of thing. Um, Uma Thurman. Yeah. I think would be great. Totally. Um, uh, da, 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 a little bit later maybe but elizabeth banks oh um, sure just always very funny mm -hmm. and then just thinking of one of the things that i think heather graham does really well which is similar to Wahlberg as dirk is this kind of like innocent like excitement like oh is this what's happening now it's like oh actually drew barrymore would be would be fun in this like that's a lot of what she was doing with like her like <laughs> she just wasn't doing it in like a movie like this she was doing it and like never been kissed <laughs> <laughs> right totally uh yeah same age as heather graham as jennifer connelly that i could mm, like be a very mm -hmm. different take on it very, but that i could yeah. see i could see the cameron diaz version oh yeah yeah duh I could see like an Eva Mendez version, also just di very different from Heather Graham. Mm -hmm. um, and if this is made today, I mean, I, what I my notes that I have are Heather Graham roller skated so Amanda Seyfried could run because uh, I did. It's just the big eyed, 
like you're right like 10 years later yeah. this right is, i mean yeah. in in mean girls veronica mars age amanda yeah, seyfried so right. is giving me like a similar vibe um but i think heather graham is perfect in this i think she is nailing everything the character needs and she i love that scene between her and julianne moore where they're just getting oh. so high and heather graham is is like julianne moore is clearly so distraught over losing custody of her continuing to have no custody over her son and heather graham is just like the way that she is just like calls her mom and then she's like, is it okay? Can I just like call you she's mom? Like, Could, I'm going to ask, mom? I'm going to ask if you're my mom and you're going to say, yeah. Okay. Are you my mom? Yes. And Ugh. just, it's, it's really beautiful. And like, yeah, contrasted with like the amount of cocaine they are doing. Oof, um, yeah. And that this also like proceeds. I think the next time we see Julianne Moore is at the custody hearing. So it's like, this Oh, right, right, right. Way of like, Oh, it's it's so desperately sad. And yet the way that PTA manages to like always be not always, but throughout a good chunk of the film undercutting the the pain with like the ridiculousness of the situation being like that they're just getting so, so high, which makes it both sadder and also like is a flavor of like the contrast is funny. I think it's just oh, it's so savvily done. Mm hmm. Uh, as for the other actors who were considered, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow turned it down. Oh, I see that. Yes. Because she was in, so, because, which I always forget. And I only saw PTA's first film, Hard Eight, uh, once for the first time, like a year or two ago. And I, I'll be honest, I wasn't crazy about it. I it was a liked, hard no for you. It was kind of a hard no. I like parts of it, but it's the cast. It's led by uh, Philip Baker Hall as kind of this like older, like grifter gambler con artist type who takes john c Riley under his wing as like i'm going to teach you the ropes and john c Riley fall both has falls for gwyneth paltrow i think i think she's like a cocktail waitress and he's got this kind of criminal friend played by samuel jackson and it's just like the these it's kind of a character piece with these four people mm-hmm. trying to like make just trying to make some money uh, and the way that they are double crossing each other. So it's like a fine film, but I, it's like, so Gwyneth Paltrow had just worked with PTA like the year or two prior, which is why she was considered for this, but she turned it down, which I think also, I, I get it. But. I, I get, yeah. It was interesting to me to see which actors had nudity and sex scenes and which did not. And I wondered how much of that was in the original script and how much of that was being like, I'm, I'm not going to do that, you know? Yeah, originally PTA didn't, consider heather graham because he had never seen her do nudity on film so he just assumed like oh well she probably wouldn't do something like this and graham's agent is the one that called anderson asking if she could read for the part that's that's good agenting yeah because i mean i think it's like the same is it what year is the is, i think 96 is shakespeare in love so it's also i can't imagine Gwyneth paltrow doing no. shakespeare in love in the next and then year playing, roller, playing girl? roller girl yeah no um laurel holloman who played uh, Cheryl Lynn, Dirk's girlfriend at the very beginning of the yeah. film, uh, screen tested. Sure. Well, she's very fun in her one little scene. She's great. Tatum O'Neill was considered. Oh, wow. That's, how old was Tatum O'Neill by this point? 34. Wow. Isn't which, time a funny old thing? Yeah. Which like, I mean, you, the character could be whatever age, except that we're also seeing them in the, their first thing, we're seeing them leave High school. High school exam. Yeah. And Julianne Moore is only like, I think, 10 years older than, mm. um, let me see. Yeah. Uh, Julianne Moore was born in 1960 and Heather Graham was in 70 and uh, Mark Wahlberg, 71. So, you mm. know, none of the, there's also, it takes place over a few years, but that does seem 
Right. You know, especially because with Tatum O'Neill, as I just did, people who went and saw her in <laughs> movies as a child are going to be tracking her age more closely than like Heather Graham, who it's like, I, you weren't a child actor, so I'm not aware of when you were a child in the same way, you know? Right, right. And ding, ding, ding to you, because Drew Barrymore was considered. <laughs> she was the 90s. In the role she was born to play, Drew Barrymore <laughs> is the 90s. <laughs> in I Love the 90s, the a 90s. rom-com with a guy that literally loves the 90s so much that he tries to, he creates the 90s and it becomes Drew Barrymore. Oh, wow. So it's like a combination of like her and uh, a, a Michael Ian Black comedy sketch. Yeah, sure. I was thinking like a um, weird science-esque sci-fi mm-hmm. comedy mm-hmm. that we've accidentally mm-hmm. created the human embodiment of the 90s, and it's Drew Barrymore, and she's the girl of your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Did we just pitch the perfect film? Well, I don't know. I, last week, we pitched um, Beethoven, Bodyguard, and Private Princess, so I think those those two are hard to beat, but for a tri- for our trio, for our trio for a of perfect films. a trilogy of perfect films <laughs> perfect that films. all absolutely tonally match <laughs> we've really got it oh we sure got something uh let's move on to buck swope amy joe your thoughts on don Cheadle, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else don Cheadle is so good it blows my mind like he's just the way that the bass on this country music is gonna blow your mind coming scene, out of this stereo yes that whole scene at that was when i think i texted you to i was just like how is Don Cheadle so good at so acting? Funny. So everything he does, I was just, I, I was obsessed with everything he did. That shot, that shot of poor Buck when he's changed his look and is wearing that horrible wig, sitting there despondent at the party. And she comes up to him and he's like, it's a good look. I think, I think it works. <sighs> just after he's been like, no, my cowboy look is great the whole time. I, just the way it could be so funny and so sad is just like a perfect encapsulation of this entire movie, you know? And yeah. It might be a bit apocryphal, but that shot that you were just mentioning, yeah. I've, I've seen whether or not the full validity of this is true, but the PTA kept asking Don Cheadle, I was like, no, no, I want you to give me nothing. I want you to do like literally nothing in the shot when he's just staring there. <laughs> and he kept like doing it again and again. He's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to do nothing. And he finally is just like sat there just trying to think of like, how do I do even less than what I've been doing. And PTA was like, great, we got it. It's like, he was just filming him, just trying to process, to think, how do I do nothing? And within that, he literally did nothing. That's incredible. I love that. Whether or not it's true, it's a great, it's a great story. Um, Yeah, I had a really hard time with this one. He's just, just in particular, because he's just so charming. He's so sweet. I think you feel so strongly for well i i did for this character and like really want his success you know really want him to be able to open this store this discount stereo store um so yeah i i really struggle with this my my first thought were like if it were like today leslie odom jr would be a really lovely fit as far as like charm and and just that kind of you know you want to watch him on screen um I mean, I I had other thoughts, but I'm just going to stick with Leslie Odom Jr. because I really think we should accept no substitute for Don Cheadle. <laughs> I agree. But if Don Cheadle was busy or Don Cheadle said no, we're coming off of the year after Shakespeare's R&J. I could see Harold Perrineau here. Sure. I could see Jeffrey Wright, I think, would give me That's a really true. beautiful Jeffrey performance. Jeffrey Wright's great. 
I accept a substitute if it's Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> um, and made more recently. It made 10 years later. I think Anthony Mackie is giving me the mm-hmm. exact thing that I want with this. Or a little later than that, I think Don Glover or Lakeith Stanfield would be really, really interesting here. Donald Glover to me is more like front footed, which is what I'm getting from Don Cheadle in this, like someone who's like literally doing sales in it. Right, right. Um, although maybe that kind of contrast with that kind of energy with Lakeith Stanfield's energy would yield something interesting. Who knows? Lakeith Stanfield being a different take on the role. Donald Glover sure, is giving yeah. me the modern day version that I want. Like I see Donald Glover like getting denied for the bank loan and just being like, no, I'm not a, I'm not in pornography. I'm an actor. I'm an yeah. actor. Like I see... I see that on Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one other actor who turned it down was Samuel L. Jackson. I wondered if he had been considered because it's Samuel L. Jackson. And because he had just worked on Heart 8 with PTA. Oh, so right. I'm sure he was like, how about you all come back for my yeah. next film? Um, but temperamentally, I just don't. Don Cheadle is just such a better fit. He's just much more. There's an earnestness to him. Whereas like with Samuel L. Jackson, one of the things that you get from him that you want from him is this kind of like, I've seen it all, man. Yeah, like honestly, made today Sam Jackson as Jack. Yeah, yeah. That's more like someone who's like seen it all, but is still like trying to make something work is different than the younger kind of energy of like, but I I like the cowboy look like that requires a certain amount of innocence that I'm just not getting off Sam Jackson post much of it post, you know, coming to America, really. I don't know if I buy how much crap buck eats throughout the yeah. film yes if it's From samuel Sam jackson. jackson opposed Correct. to john don Cheadle. like when don Cheadle's boss of the the stereo store is just like none of this cowboy stuff like you should be listening to like hood music or whatever like urban stuff and it's clearly it's like so racist and don Cheadle's like like what what would you say but then it's just like that's the most i can say to this is like what are you saying to me? Yeah. And now I'm going to roll over and like, okay, now I'll just unload stereos out back. Opposed to if you said to Samuel Jackson, oh, so when is Samuel Jackson going to murder this boss? <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's move on to Scotty J. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Philip Seymour Hoffman and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? This is another one I really struggled with because number one, Philip Seymour Hoffman is just so... Wow, like 18 adjectives just flooded my brain. He's so quirky in a way that both draws attention to itself and yet never feels rooted in actory things. Like he's doing actory things all over the place, but they feel so character yeah. appropriate for the character that it it's it never feels self-conscious to me. To me, totally. maybe others would have different opinions, but um like the chewing on the pen and like yeah, the way that he like the intake of breath he does when he's holding the boom and like Mark Wahlberg gets undressed on set for the first time. Just like him, just... like when Mark Wahlberg like wins the award at like the, the adult film awards and you see Philip Seymour Hoffman like try to reach over to like give him a high five. But Mark Wahlberg's already too doesn't yeah. see him and is already too far out. Like all that stuff. It, it, he, you, you can watch at any point in the film. Philip Seymour so Hoffman alive. is doing something fascinating in the background. Yes. Yes. And additive. Like that's, I guess maybe that's the thing is all the stuff he's doing is very like, yeah, those are big, bold swings, but they're all additive. They all give me, they drop me right into this character and I love it. And you know what? I have a couple names on here, but they were kind of like, maybe I'll write these down and they'll make me think of other actors. (laughs) 
and they did not. So I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, I'll cut this character if you can't have Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, it's hard. And he really handles because his whole like thrust of this character is that he's in love with Dirk from the beginning yeah, yeah. and has this r- so such awkward like come on at the New Year's Eve party where it's like just wants him to see his car and is like, well, then he kisses him, and yeah, then kiss, and then kisses him, yeah, and he's like, I just want you to think, I, I just want you to think I was cool with the car, and is like, do you like me? Do you like me? Like, can I can I kiss you? It's just like, no. He's like, what are you no. doing, man? And then his way just plays off like, oh, I'm so drunk, man. I'm just, I'm so drunk. I'm, I'm just, just like so drunk. Out of that. Uh, he's, so, and then he just sits in the car and just calls himself a freaking idiot. idiot for, like and now times. this is, a, I believe Philip Seymour Hoffman is f- from New York. And this is someone who is giving me a California accent, <laughs> who is giving me full Cali, Cali kid. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anyone else great. I could see, I just have some, the only other person for that, for 1997, giving a very different spin on this, for whatever reason, is Adrian Brody, who came to mind. Very different version, but I'm thinking of him in like, he's doing he's like- He's thinking of weirdos, kind of. Yeah, he's doing Summer of Sam for Spike Lee, that he's that age. Um, ooh, although, speaking of Summer of Sam, other option for our lead, Dirk Diggler? A baby John Leguizamo, perhaps? Oh, Yeah. I um I have him elsewhere. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? But, I, I see it. I know what you're gonna say. I love that already. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's and then made more recently as like I think Jonah Hill is can do a very similar Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Another someone that very different take on it, but I think a Donald Gleason would give me like something really for interesting. For real this here. time? Yes, for real Donald Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I meant Dominic Toretto. I meant Vin Diesel's character in Fast and Furious. Um <laughs> Or if you want to actually get a gay actor in this role, like a Robin de Jesus, I think made today, I think would do oh, yeah. make Ugh, do Robinson, a really beautiful version of this. Incredible actor, yeah, yeah. Uh, so P- PS- PTA had Phil Seymour Hoffman in mind for the role. Unsurprisingly, he was one of the best to do it. Um, but the one other actor I saw who was considered was Jack Black. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why do I always forget about Jack Black? Except for when it's painfully obvious and staring me in the face. Well, sometimes I feel like he's just such a singular performer that it's hard. I'm like, he was right. He's right for the things that he's right for. Yeah. Well, and you know what? So is Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's just much more transformative, um, which I think is why it's then hard to think of other people to plug into what he's doing because anyone else is going to be doing something wildly different. Yeah. Um, and then for you have him, someone like Jack just thinking Black. Of, yeah. I can't think of anyone else that would be so perfect for Scotty J and Boogie Nights, Father Flynn in Doubt. For Big Lebowski, Capote, for like Lester all the bangs things, and almost Lester famous. bangs, like all the things that Philip Seymour Hoffman could do and could do so well. It's uh, talented, Mr. Ripley. He's so good yes. in talented, Mr. Ripley. That's only I think the year before, and I it's it's it difficult. It's difficult to think of anyone else that could do what he could do. Jamie in Long Day's Journey and Tonight, like wow. one of the most transcendent things I've ever seen on the American stage. You and know, you're one of the fortunate ones to get to see it. I know. <laughs> um, but let's move on to Rahad Jackson. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Alfred Molina and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? If you're going to get someone to come into your film for one scene at the end and be like, you need to make an impression, it needs to be wild, and then you got to get out of there. What hire Alfred Molina? Crushing it. Uh, so good. Just like dancing around in this like, speedo undies and robe you know just giving full like drug den man he's great just 
again, an actor. And I've seen him on stage, uh, unfortunately not in red. And he was not great. Uh, oh. it was, it was the revival of Fiddler in like the oh, yeah, mid 2000s with Randy Graff and, and he was Tevye and he's just for an actor who's like very tall and like not afraid of size. It just wasn't, it just wasn't the right fit. Um, but you know, he's, he's an actor who is not afraid to use theatricality on screen. Yeah. Um, to tremendous effect in this. So I loved it. Cause I remember you texting like, yeah, the scene with Alfred Molina is pretty tough. I'm like, oh, I haven't gotten there yet. That's right. He's in this movie. We're going to talk about him. I was like, oh yeah. But also that he's, even when he gets out the giant gun, he's got <laughs> that lightness to him that he's just like, it's all like some kind of the guy with too much money and too much time and too many drugs in his system. And it's like, come here, puppies, you know, keeps calling them puppies as he's I like know. shooting at them. I love when Tom Jane is first like being like, we're not leaving yet. We got the money. And Mark Wahlberg starts around like, we are so sorry, sir. We don't know what he's talking about. Really <laughs> looks at them and he like raises his hands and like, a, like, like, please, please. It's okay. It's okay. Like he's such a generous host as well, Yes, and, which is like, it's such a, gr- so many great layers. Uh, Absolutely. At the same time. Yeah. So this is where I have John Leguizamo sure. as not a 1997 John Leguizamo. Although why not? Actually, you know, uh, he could do that anytime from then to much more recently. Um, yeah. Again, just someone with largesse and theatricality and like someone who is so funny. I think that's the thing. You need someone who's very funny, who you also believe like there's danger to them. And I feel yeah. like John Leguizamo rides that line beautifully. Yeah. Um, I also have Benicio del Toro. Ooh, I like that. I think be very similar. I mean, very different kind of performance from either of them, but like giving me the similar type of thing. And yeah, I'm gonna stop there because I don't like my other choices as much as those. Great. Yeah, it's funny you were talking about the size. This what Alfred Molina said. This is the one time he said a director say more to just keep saying <laughs> bigger, bigger, and he was like bigger than this. Like, okay, I'm giving you a lot. <laughs> I'm like 1997. Willem Dafoe, I think, is knocking this out of the park. Mm. Um, or, you know, I know it's absolute madness, but I could see the version where you go two hours and eight minutes of your film, and then you have to hide it in all the marketing and all the trailers, but then you just drop Nicolas Cage into your film at two hours <laughs> and eight minutes. Okay. Honestly, perfect. As himself, he would Nicolas be playing <laughs> Nicolas Cage. He's not playing Ray Hat Jackson. <laughs> and made more recently, if this is made more recently, I think Michael Shannon would be incredible in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah, see yeah, this yeah. exact performance with Michael Shannon or Pe- sure. Pedro Pascal, I think, is going to mm, give me mm-hmm. what I want with this. You just want someone who's like, I ain't afraid to play delightful, villainous, but great. You're so right. It's the he's a great host. Like, no, stay. You just right. got here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's that. That, he that is have, the crux of there's it. There's no yeah. malice or menace. No. Until it's. Like, and even when, oh, it's you killed like my every, bodyguard. Yeah. Even when everything's going tits up, he's just like, this is fun now. He's got like, he's gleeful about it. He's yes. like, this is another yes. fun part of my night. Who knew this would be where my night would go? What yeah. joy. So this is how Alfred Molina says it. He says, he's on the phone with PTA and PTA goes, look, we've got this small little part. It's four or five days work. It might be a lot of fun. And Alfred Molina goes, what's the role? And he said, well, it's a coked up drug fiend on a shotgun rampage. And Molina thought. Well, I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like as, we're, as actors, we're always looking to for like something Absolutely. new. Like, what have we never done before? Um, and he had never heard the song 
Jesse's girl or sister Christian as they did not make it over to the United Kingdom as big hits. So he spent three days repeatedly playing them on loop until he that knew also them. explain why he screwed up some of the lyrics um <laughs> although but i really liked actually the way he screwed up the lyric because it's like why can't i find a woman like that and he said why can't i have a what and i was like oh well that feels tells me a lot about that character too mm. that he's like unless i'm mistaken and one of the verses it is have i could be wrong okay. listener i don't know the song I'm I'm, the, I'm a real Alpha Melina when it comes to that song. I don't know. Oh, you it. don't know that song? I feel like it plays everywhere all the time. No, I mean I do, but I don't know it. I don't know enough to be like, oh yeah. In the, in the other girl. verse, it's I have a woman. In this verse, it's get a woman. Um, but so as for the other actors, attached for a while was Sean Penn. Oh, interesting. Which I I, I like I it, but I don't like it. it as much. Yeah. And John Turturro turned it down. Oh, okay. And I like that. I'm into that. Now we're talking. <laughs> that makes some sense to me. I would like that a lot. Uh, but let's move on, finally, to Amber Waves. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Julianne Moore, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? There are actors, like, let's take Alfred Molina in this performance. It's so As Amber fun. Waves? As Amber take Waves. Take Alfred Molina <laughs> in this Alfred performance? As Ray Had Jackson, Yes. I look at that Alfred Molina performance and I'm like, oh, this is so fun. But like, I understand how to do something like that. Like that, that is very much in my wheelhouse is like, oh, you want something big? I ain't afraid of that. Oh, you want, you want someone a little unhinged? Like I can, I can find my way to that. But what Julianne Moore is doing, I do not understand how to, like I could play a version of something like this, I'm sure. But like that is far, far scarier to me because I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, it's so beautifully subtle. She's got all this like drug work that she's doing, like as an actor, like yeah. the sensory work on the drugs. It's also just, everything's just so like, that's okay, baby. You know, like just everything is very like soft and, and easy until it isn't. And it's just, it's, it's just so foreign to me as a performer that I look at something like that and I just marvel at it. Um, And I think it's, no wonder she got an Oscar nomination. Yeah. This is an incredible performance. And yeah, I love it. I love everything that she's doing. I found it very compelling, very moving. You're infuriated by her as it's like, oh, yeah, she wants to be a good, quote unquote, mother to this family. As she's like teaching her her baby boy, Dirk, how to do coke, you right. know, and like it's it's just I don't know. It's a really beautiful meeting of like character and, and actor and, and all of that i think she's great i don't necessarily know that i want this actor for this role maybe you know 10 years earlier but it i never had thought before until watching this movie how much julianne moore and susan sarandon look alike mm. but watching this movie is like oh and then i was like oh a younger susan sarandon actually like would be yeah. interesting in this sure marissa tomei oh yeah i think would be really really great um she, I just think she's so f- phenomenal and, and uh, uh, always, always so centered and, and hilarious and devastating, yeah. which is what you want in this. Hope Davis, oh. I thought, would be really great in this. Yeah. Um, and she's not someone I think of that often because I don't know. I don't see a lot of the kinds of movies that she does, I guess. But like what, what I have seen her do, which has been plenty, you know, feels like, oh, yeah, actually, she would be. I think do this sort of because she's always high, right? Like, I don't think we really ever see it. maybe in the custody scene. Right. But even then, I yeah. don't know, you know, she's just not like out of her mind. Um, 
so the kind of like sort of like floating above it all quality that she has, you know, I feel like that's a thing that Hope Davis kind of like is always working with, even if it's not like about being high. It's just kind of like her her quality that she has. I don't know. And then I just thought of this person because I've seen her play a drug addict, but that's Elizabeth Marvel, mm. um, who is also always phenomenal. So yeah. amazing, I don't know. amazing stage actor who has been in so many has been in was in House of Cards has been in is popping up in more film TV stuff. Now, if you don't know Elizabeth Marvel, look them up because they are great. Yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, I think like at this time, I could see a Tilda Swinton, I think would be mm-hmm. really beautiful here. Um, I guess she's. I mean, I guess she's not that young, actually, but like Tony Collette, I think, would be so good in this. Well, she was 26 during the <laughs> sixth sense. So she would be it's like 26. Yeah. But it's still like to have someone who is not that far off from age no, it's true. from Dark and Roller Girl to be like, I can't be a mother to my like eight year old son, which is believable that for this person, I have an eight year old. Yeah. So I'm going to be a mother to this 17 year old. Yeah. But yeah, I hear you. Um, like same, same. It's like they were probably a little young in nineteen ninety seven, but temperamentally, like Emily Watson, Samantha Morton, or mm-hmm. give me mm-hmm. some performances I want here, and made more recently, maybe a Rebecca Hall or a Melanie Linsky. I think would be really Ooh. good. Well, I'm glad Melanie Linsky's burst back onto the scene. I know we um, deserve Melanie Linsky. You know? Yeah, and honestly, maybe her uh, Yellow Jackets co star Juliet Lewis. I think could be really good with something like this. Uh, So as for the Oscar nominees, because Julianne Moore was nominated, the other nominees were Joan Cusack, our girl Joan for In and Out, Gloria Stort for Titanic, Minnie Driver for Good Will Hunting, and the winner, Kim Basinger for Ellie Confidential. Oh, yeah, those are all good. And so different. What a varied group of nominees. Wow, Ellie Confidential. I, I sometimes, until we do something on the pod, unless I know when the movie came out because I have a particular association with it, I thought Ellie Confidential was much earlier, like mm. 93 or 4. But, you know, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> uh, as for the other actors who were considered the producer's choice, they wanted Patricia Arquette. Oh, okay. She's excellent. Yeah. I'm into that. Would be great. Will be great. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee turned it down as she didn't want to be typecast as addicted characters or as women working in the sex That's industry, fair. which I get. Yeah, I get. Um, but I could see temperamentally. Yeah. Uh, Jolie Richardson was considered Vanessa Redgrave's daughter and Natasha Richardson's sister, mm-hmm. uh, who some people might know from Nick Nip Tuck. Uh, Nineteen ninety-seven. She was in the horror sci-fi movie Event Horizon with Lawrence Fishburne. So that's what she was doing instead. Julia Louis Dreyfus was considered fascinating well i mean she's an amazing actress so she is but i'm i'd be curious to see julia louis dreyfus in like an out and out dramatic role yeah. just because she is one of i think one of our best comic actors yeah like decades now that she has been crushing, crushing it crushing it but i've never seen her do anything like this and i kind of would be curious just to see yeah julia armand turned it down of uh, the Sabrina remake was uh, more recent to this. Mm. Uh, and ding, ding, ding to you. Marissa Tomei turned it down. Oh. So there you go. There you go. Well, she was shortly to do In the Bedroom a couple years later. So did she get another yeah. nomination for that? Uh. Oh, you know she did. Uh, those were all the characters I've had other casting options for. But there are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. As we said, Joanna Gleason, Broadway's Joanna, Joanna Gleason. Into the Woods' is Joanna Gleason as Eddie's mother. 
she said that when she met with P.T. Anderson for, to audition, he was jet lagged and very, very tired. And she said, I remember after chatting for a while, he said, OK, would you like to stand up, walk around, like do whatever you want for the, the audition? And she said, no, I'd like to sit. And I had the guy. I said to him, you stand. I'm just going to inhabit this woman right now. I'm in a room full of younger men and I'm the mom here and I'm just going to make myself as unpleasant as possible. <laughs> so she sat there like she sits in the movie and she did the whole scene from a seated position and read it just as it was written. And at the end of it, she asked Paul if this was based on his mom and his eyes started watering and she thought, never mind, we don't need to go there. I didn't mean to push a button and he didn't answer. So she's, but she just said, if it is, you never have to forgive her. Oh, ah, oh, oh, I know. But which I found interesting then I saw years later in an interview with Mark Marin, Anderson reported that he had recently gone to his mother's house, gotten down on his hands and knees and apologized to his mother for his attitude toward her in the past and for not being more understanding of her. So I don't know where the truth lies, like between yeah. the, their relationship. Um, but I just love that Joanna Gleason was just like able to intuit just like this feels like this is written from very a personally. very personal yeah. place. Uh, according to William H. Macy, his agent discouraged him from reading the script. Wow. You've been reading it. So Macy read it and loved it. And he said he said he's, you know, used to playing these glorious losers. And that was the one thing he was reticent about that for a period he was the go to guy for any loser in a film. And he said, but with a script like that, you think, well, sure, I'll do that one more time. I'll play another loser. Right. And he had set up a meeting with Paul Thomas Anderson where he had like, <laughs> I love this. Like, this is us. This is all of us as actors. He's like, I had my phrases about what I thought the movie was about, the tone of the thing, what the movie means. I could bullshit with the best of them and then how I would play the role. So we sat down and PTA started talking and William H. Macy couldn't get a word in edgewise. And he realized, oh, my God, he's selling me. <laughs> so I just hunkered back and let myself be sold. And he, he was doing a screening of his movie Hard Eight that night and invited him. So after the screening, he told him, as he, William H. Macy said, dude, I'll do the yellow pages if you want. If you're directing, I'm in. Aww. But I that feeling of like, oh, OK, I've got to make sure I pitch, like make sure I really want because I really want this and be like, oh, you really want me? I don't got to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and look impassive. Right. I could just be wooed. Love it. We love mm. to see it. Robert Ridgely, who we didn't really talk about, who played the colonel, who's the one that bankrolls mm -hmm. the films until he goes to jail because they like a young girl ODs at his place. But then more importantly, they find child pornography at the house. Um, this guy, Robert Ridgely, this is his uh, last film because he passed away. The film is dedicated to him. Um, but he also did. He played Jack Horner. Burt Reynolds character. Oh, in the like kind of one that he made. It's like a, a proof of concept. Yeah, back in the 80s, he made is the first thing that Paul Thomas Anderson made is, is when he was 17. It was this 32 minute short film, this mockumentary called The Dirk Diggler Story uh, that is very similar to the little mini doc that we see in the middle of the film. Um, and so he played Jack in that. Uh, but he's I think he's so good in this. Oh, he's fantastic. Re Ooh. I mean, that last scene Ooh. between him and Burt Reynolds is like a, is brutal. It is brutal. And it, I like, mean, again, my friend, Jack. Can you just tell me that you're my friend? And then, like, him clearly, like, clicking off and pounding on the thing. Just, like, again, this is a director who clearly likes actors. 
and is like, I'm going to hire really good actors and then I'm going to like, I'm not going to cut around them a million ways. I'm going to like let them act in these long takes. Yeah. And it's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. John C. Riley as Reed Rothschild. I, I don't mean, think there's anything that we haven't already said. He's so funny. It is from the first second we see him so funny. I just, I, I can't, I, I love it so much. I want to like just watch his scenes on a loop. Yeah. It really is like if you have any doubt if that this movie is a comedy, you just have to go to any single line that he says in this film. And you're like, oh, this is one of the funniest films of 1997 until oh, it man. is decidedly not. Until it's <laughs> devastating. Uh, the great Philip Baker Hall, who just passed away a few years ago as Floyd Gondoli, the one who then comes in and is bankrolling the the movies by the He's end. Great. The to video. I love, lo- always loved Philip Baker Hall. I love this time I noticed his line because he's, when he's trying to pitch Jack and he's like, I like simple pleasures, like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. You can see Robert Ridgely as the colonel behind him cover his mouth. He's out of focus, but you see him like have to cover his mouth. Yeah. And it's kind of like shaking his head because he is so clearly laughing at that line <laughs> that I wonder if it was an ad lib. Butter in my ass and lollipops in and my mouth. And lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. Some people might think that's, that's weird. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom Thomas Jane as Todd Parker. He said when he auditioned, they brought in Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley, and they would just improv. They would do. They would riff as if they'd been on coke for forty eight hours straight. It's like that's what you've been doing, wow. and I'll just make up a scene. And he said that Philip was great at improv. John Riley is a great improv guy, and I just kind of slipped right into it. We all kind of clicked. Um, but like that idea of getting to audition, and I know at the time it's not the same. It still is like, oh, my contemporaries. But it's like you, your edition is with improvising with with true the true West duo of Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley. Oh. It's so good. And uh, Louise Guzman as Maurice Rodriguez, Maurice. Uh, who's so he's so good. I always love seeing Louise Guzman. Absolutely. He also has a happy ending. He opens this new club. But with his brother, Rodriguez yeah. is spelled wrong. And that was actually how the sign came that they had made for the film so they rewrote it to be like this is meant to be a mis- now it's like they're, they're celebrating until they're like no no wait wait that's supposed to be a g it's a q now and it is like it is funny um so final thoughts amy joe anything we haven't talked about anything we haven't discussed oh okay another thing that i loved was when you know alfred molina has come out shooting john c Riley's like dove into a hedge and is hiding <laughs> and and uh dirk is like trying to drive away and the low fuel light comes up because these are guys that didn't think maybe on a night i'm gonna commit a crime i should have a full tank of gas <laughs> no i assume they just them. didn't even have the money for the gas oh maybe that's true but it's also like it strikes me that it also is just something that didn't occur to no. them you know sounds like Good poor point. planning is their uh is their mo oh and then yeah what wondering if yeah i was like was ricky j the magic consultant for all of john c Riley's magic bits <laughs> he was around he just keeps poking his head in is like that's not how i do it bye but yeah i have a note to myself like outside of alfred molina's house i had just written oh fellas this ain't good <laughs> so talking about, and then all my notes because i like type into a little 
um, I type my notes out and then like, we'll go and like write out the ones that I actually want to like talk about on the pod. And so like, I've found that now I'm just like typing out my responses to things. <laughs> just, like, so I had this whole swath and I'm just like, hey, ah, wait, where's John C. Riley? Is he okay? Oh gosh. Oh no. Like it's just e and stuff like that. So oh, that John was, C. Riley took a page out of his magic book and uh, disappeared. I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad I revisited this. Because, again, I remembered the way the back half of the movie made me feel, but had forgotten, like, no, it's hilarious, and there's so much great stuff in here. So, yeah, I really I really enjoyed this. Agreed. I'll end with this. Director Barry Sonnenfeld, who you might know from such films as previous episodes, Men in Black and Adam's Family Values and The First Adam's Family, was depressed when he heard this movie was being made because he had always wanted to direct a movie based on his early career as a cinematographer of porn films, specifically about how he had shot nine feature-length porn films in nine days. <gasps> wow. I'm processing. That's a lot of information to have received <laughs> about Barry just now. Amy Joe. Yes, Jeff. What you recommending this week? Well, I'm going to recommend, surprise, it's a podcast. But this does feel like more um, tonally and content-wise connected to Boogie Nights. So this is a Wondery podcast called Operator. And I'm just going to read a little description. During the 1-900 number craze of the 90s, one company provided the vast majority of phone sex. American Telnet was an empire founded by the man who called himself the Telephone Pimp. He ran the company, like General Motors, and got filthy rich doing it. But for the mostly women who answered the calls and delivered fantasies 24-7, it was a different story. The powerful stigma against sex work was always lurking just beneath the surface until it threatened to tear apart the whole company. Hosted by Tina Horn, Operator is an eight-part series about big ambitions, Shakespearean-level corporate backstabbing, men and women at the cutting edge of a technological revolution, and on the front lines of a sexual one. So I actually haven't finished this. I, I started it, though, and it's excellent and fascinating. Mm. Um, so I'm recommending... The podcast operator. Fun. Jeff. Amy Joe. What are you recommending? Uh, you know, we're talking about Julianne Morty on the pod. I'll talk about this uh, Spotify original audio play story that her and Oscar Isaac are in together that I've been listening to uh, called Case 63. Uh, so it's mainly just a two-hander. It's not long. These very quick little, like, 10-minute episodes uh, where she is a psychiatrist and her patient oscar isaac is claiming to be from the future and needs her help to save the world is kind of the jumping off point uh so it's a it's it's a very kind of simple bare bones story it's all you have is just two people talking uh but it's when your two people are julianne moore and oscar isaac it makes for a very fun yeah. time so it goes down very easy and i only have one episode left and i've been enjoying it immensely so far so if you have spotify it's worth checking out case 63 with julianne moore and oscar isaac and that's what we're recommending this week da, da, da. so thank you again to evan for requesting boogie nights thanks evan and remember if you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of email us at and almost starring at gmail.com and let us know follow us on instagram at and almost starring for shenanigans announcements and general buffoonery until next time i'm jeff ronan i'm amy joe jackson and thanks for joining us to see who almost starred